SAFM 104-107 Nationwide Leading the conversation Night Talk Giving you depth and texture To the conversations that matter It is five and a half minutes after 10pm Good evening, welcome to the Thursday edition of Night Talk My name is Oliver Dixon Thank you so much for the honour, the pleasure and the privilege of your time What an eventful day it has been Busy day out in Bromfontein as a constitutional court handed down some judgments and some declarations. The first to begin with is, of course, the judgment that overturns uh, the decision of the High Court uh, in the Mkwebane versus Ramaphosa matter, overturns the decision of the High Court that declared Ramaphosa's suspension of Mkwebane as unfair. Right, uh, and the High Court then ordered that she be reinstated. And of course, when uh, a number of things happen there, when the High Court, when a court impugns the actions or decisions of the president, the decision that particular court makes, of course, this is the High and Superior Court, uh, would have to be ratified by the Constitutional Court. And the Constitutional Court found that it, in fact, was not unfair that Ramaphosa stood to gain nothing by suspending Mkwebana. We're going to be digging into that. Very politicized. So we're going to focus really uh, on, on, on what the political outfall would have been and what that implicates about the future of the institution, that is to say the Office of the Public Protector and the Presidency. And then we're going to be speaking about the Constitutional Court's dismissal of Jacob Zuma's uh, appeal application uh, to the Constitutional Court to overturn the Supreme Court of Appeal judgment that upheld the High Court judgment that declared Jacob Zuma's parole as having been unconstitutional and irregular and ordered that he be sent back to prison. And the Helen Suzman Foundation is one of the applicants in that, uh, in that case, made the argument that when, Ramapos, when Zuma returns upon the order of the High Court, that Zuma has to return to jail to serve the rest of what would have been left of his 18-month sentence, that his time outside of jail should not count towards what was the sentence, as the sentence was very specifically incarceration and not a suspended sentence that would have seen him walk freely uh, and report to correctional services on a regular basis. That's not what it was. And so the court then says, yeah, well, he got to go back to jail. That's what the Supreme Court said and upheld the high court judgment. And uh, the, uh, Jacob Zuma said, no, I'm not happy with that. He appealed to the Constitutional Court. And the Constitutional Court said there are absolutely no grounds for appeal. And they dismissed that appeal application, effectively upholding the Supreme Court of Appeal judgment. What does that mean? Zuma has to go back to jail. But when, how, and what are the technical minutiae to make sense of uh, before any of that happens. We're going to be having that conversation uh, in this half hour as well with Dan Mafuro of Kasek. All of that's coming up in the first half hour. In the second half hour, we're going to be talking about something incredibly important. A study found that, um, and this is a joint study by the United Nations Program on HIV AIDS, shows that AIDS can be ended by 2030. And it outlines a path to get there. How can we get there? We're going to get into the details of that joint report a little bit later. We're going to be speaking to Kabisa Kwawe of the Treatment Action Campaign. All of that coming up on the show. I'm taking your reactions and your calls and voice notes uh, on these conversations. 
give us a call 086-000-20320. 086-000-20-32. I'm also going to be sending taking your WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107. 0614-104-107. You can tweet me. It is at Oliver underscore speaking on Twitter. Oliver Dixon on Facebook. And of course, after 11 o'clock, it is the open line. Uh, let me know what is on your mind this evening, right after 11 o'clock. SAFM, leading the conversation. Night Talk, Monday to Thursdays, 10 to midnight. 11 minutes after 10 o'clock, you're listening to Night Talk. My name is Oliver Dixon. Thank you so much for being with, with me this evening. Really, really do appreciate it. Uh, so let's sketch out the chronology first. Uh President Ramaphosa, uh, uh, this Section 189 Committee in Parliament begins its work. That means uh, a probe into the fitness of um, of, of uh, Public Protector Busiswem Kwebane to hold office. The, the initiation of that process constitutionally empowers the president to suspend the public protector. It's the only circumstance under which the president can make such a decision. While that is happening... The president says to Busiswem Kwebane, Advocate Busiswem Kwebane, hey, please tell me why I should not suspend you. Provide me with reasons. Advocate Busiswem Kwebane provides the president with reasons. The president then applies his mind and decides those reasons are not sufficient. He doesn't immediately make that decision and doesn't immediately announce that decision. He sits on it for quite a while, for a couple of months, in fact. And all while that is happening, uh, Arthur Fraser then drops the bombshell about the president's palapala uh, uh, situation. Advocate Busiswem Kubani then sends questions to President Ramaphosa about the palapala uh, uh, break-in and, and, and the dollars that were stashed in the couch. And the very next day, President Ramaphosa suspends Advocate Busiswem Kubani on the basis that there is an inquiry into her fitness to hold office. Advocate Busisem Kobani goes to the High Court on an urgent basis and she says to the High Court, this man suspended me and I think given that I'm investigating him, there's a clear conflict of interest and therefore suspends its power, suspends his constitutional statutory powers from being able to suspend me because there's a clear conflict of interest and apprehension of bias. High Court then finds in favor of Advocate Busiswem Kobane and says, well, Mr. President, your timing is suspicious and it was very hastily done right after the, uh, the public protector had sent you questions relating to a very controversial investigation that could potentially impugn you. We are of the opinion that there is a link between that investigation or at least the questions that you were sent and you suspending the public protector. Therefore, we overturn your decision to suspend the public protector and we order that you reinstate the public protector. The president then says he will appeal the judgment, but while appealing the judgment, it also that decision also needs to be ratified by the high court, by the constitutional court. The constitutional court then, uh, by jurisdictional implication, starts to apply its mind to this question, whether or not uh, the president's decision to suspend the public protector was unfair uh, and perhaps unconstitutional and unprocedural. The Constitutional Court said, no, it wasn't. The president stood to gain nothing by suspending Advocate Busiswem Kobane because the investigation into Palapala was nonetheless carried out by the Deputy Public Protector. And therefore, 
we believe that the president was well within his rights to execute that suspension. Lukanyo Vanga joins me to have this conversation. Lukanyo, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. I really, really do appreciate it. It was necessary for me to stretch, uh, to sketch out the chronology of events. When that happened, you and I had this conversation on this exact platform, and you agreed that Ramaphosa's behavior was suspicious and hastily, as said the court. And on the surface of it, you and I can make that value judgment, but the court says, no, we think the bias uh, and, and conflict of interest that you speak of doesn't exist because the investigation is would be carried out and has been carried out nonetheless by the deputy public protector. Therefore, it was an exercise of the president's statutory powers to suspend the public protector on the basis of the Section 81-189 inquiry into her fitness to hold office. That means you and by extension me were wrong when we said the high court was right to impugn Ramaphosa's decision to suspend Kobane and that notwithstanding I still think it was hastily but the court says that doesn't matter and even to let's get talking so what Look, I'm going to have to stop you there. Your line, I'm going to have to pause you there. Your line sounds terrible, terrible, terrible. I'm going to see if I can try to get you onto a better line. Let's see if we can get you on our WhatsApp line. Hopefully, we'll be able to hear you much, much, much clearer because I don't want to miss any of what you said there. Of course, it is stage six load shedding. That means that uh, our our line and our network doesn't always hold very, very well. But do we have you there, Lucanio? Oliver? Much, much, better? much better. Much better. Go for it. Sure. I was um, just sketching out what informed my view at the time in agreeing with the judgment of the High Court. It comes from the Corn Court decision that said, um, or the, the, the High Court decision that said that President Zuma, while there were pending charges that could at any point be instigated against him, was conflicted in appointing the next National Director of Public Prosecutions. So that risk, for as long as it persists, he was disqualified from appointing um, the next NDPP. So applying that same logic to this instance, I was of the view that the president, for as long as a PP was investigating him, was constrained from exercising those powers due to this conflict of interest that would give reasonable apprehension to a bias, and therefore he would have to let the deputy president make that decision or someone else in cabinet the legal test that was applied by the corn court disagreed with that view. Yeah. But also a concern that I have as well, Oliver, is that with the legal test that was applied by the corn court, it means that a president could never be conflicted when suspending a PP, regardless of what the circumstances were to be, because according to the corn court, there are enough safeguards that exist to ensure that conflict never exists. Yeah, it does then beg the question, and perhaps this is a political question to settle because it speaks to our democracy effectively. Under what circumstances can the statutory powers of the president be suspended due to apprehension of bias and or conflict of interest? We know of at least one instance, and that was in the instance around the appointment of a judge um, uh, to head up the state of capture uh, inquiry. Uh, Tulima Donsela there said, well, I think there's a bias here because Jacob Zuma is implicated by my report and necessarily would be by this investigation. Therefore, I don't think the, the part of the Constitution that's very clear that only the president can appoint a, a head of a commission of inquiry applies here. I think that power should be deferred to the chief justice. 
and the constitutional court found in favor of Busisuem Mkweba of of Tulima Donsela in that instance, and it was quite clear to us. Oh. The statutory powers of the president does have a limitation as and when bias uh, and conflict uh, becomes activated. Is that the only instance now? That that was the, the, the test as well, Oliver. It was the high court actually that made that decision. If you remember the full bench um, that was um, presided over by just uh, Justice Dustin Lambo. And when he was asked about that specifically during his JSC interviews, he said, well, it's a pity that judgment was never um, appealed so that we could have finality on the matter because, yeah, yeah that, that, that that's what happened. So it seems like it's these two instances that you've now mentioned. Again, JZ was the, was the subject of those litigations um, at the time, wherein he was said to be conflicted in appointing a, a judge to oversee the State of Capture Commission and also said to be potentially conflicted um, in uh, appointing an NDPP. Uh, but in, it seems in this instance, for some reason, the Concord in its wisdom decided otherwise with the conflict of interest with the to Ramaphosa. Be that it, as it may, um, that's the judgment that sticks now, and that is um, the law as it stands um, with that jurisprudence. But what does this then mean, I think, is a broader conversation that we can have, Oliver, yeah. with regards to um, what is the state of play um, at the moment with this war of attrition that has um, reached on between Ramaphosa and Advocate Mkwebani when she occupied the position of public, the office of public protector, which um, has been going on for about four years now and has been fought in all the three arms of government. It has been fought in parliament, it's been fought in the executive branch, it's been fought in our courts. And I think it's now checkmate. Ramaphosa has now dealt... Um, the final blow in Advocate Mkwebane and her tenure as public protector. And I think the continuation of the Section 194 or the conclusion thereof would really just be the the funeral procession, um, Oliver. Um, it really is now game set and match. And yeah, she's she's... She's on she's on death row, um, so to this speak. This all feels because... very mute and academic, right? Given that her term really is now at the end, uh, and whatever she's fighting for is not worth fighting for, given that it is the end of the term of this term of the public protector. I think the best way forward now would be for her to resign the position um, of public protector before the as as a political uh, move. Um, before the finalization of the Section 194 committee, um, because we don't know what 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 could be the consequences yeah. of a removal by a Section 194 committee with regards to her pensions as well and all of those other things, and also just her reputation, um, and also for for posterity's sakes, for history and what and how history records her in 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 her books so i think she would she would be best served by uh, resigning the position like you're saying it's this her, her tenure is almost over so there's really nothing to be gained from fighting any further i mean but that doesn't mean that the section 194 committee would stop doing its work it may just well want to actually produce that report uh given that it may feel that it's important work and that it's precedent setting and that if the actions of the public protector were so egregious that they would like to at least use Use this report uh, to demonstrate some level of delinquency on her part. Hopefully, that she would never ever p- occupy public office again. So it doesn't quite stop it entirely, right?
I think that would be ultra various because that section 194 committee is for the removal of the public protector from office. If the public protector already resigned the office, I don't think then they would have a jurisdictional um, ground to continue with that with that inquiry because she's no longer in that office. But then again, we saw this conversation happen or play out in the US with the second impeachment of Donald Trump where they found that or they were of the opinion that you could impeach a president even when he's not in office. Yeah. So maybe there could some similar arguments could be made here. Yeah. And and, and just finally, Lucanio, this again is the political conversation. You were of the view that no matter how egregious the behavior of the public protector may have been, it still didn't warrant uh, her, her suspension from office and an investigation into her fitness to hold office because you argued at the time it politicizes section, uh, it politicizes chapter nine institutions, something that we don't need to safeguard its independence. Do you still hold that view? I still hold that view. Actually, I was listening earlier um, to a legal analyst on another show, and he was making the point that as things stand, um, no public protector would ever be safe in this democracy with what we've seen unfold in the past year or two um, in this country. I made the point, Oliver, if you remember, as you're saying, no matter how egregious those acts were, there are enough safeguards in our democratic system um, that people that feel aggrieved by the conduct and behaviors of the PP would be able to, to pursue judicial review. And those judicial review processes have proven adequate and up to the task of reviewing a conduct of a PP like the one that we have, um, and people were not happy with those with those um, decisions. So there are enough of those safeguards. We don't need to go the nuclear option of starting a precedent that anyhow a president is unhappy or someone the ruling party are unhappy with the conduct or behavior of a public protector. That option is available to them for the taking <clears throat> that they could decide to remove a public protector from office. I thought that was a bad precedent. I thought that's a precedent that we did didn't want to start because similar challenges were faced in the country with presidents not being able to finish their terms as a result of the recall of President yeah. Beggy. And it created that precedence and that culture is now sort of sipped in to our body politic. Do you agree with the Constitutional Court's argument that President Ramaphosa stood to gain nothing by suspending public protector Busiso Mkobane? Of course, it is not pu- purely a legal argument. There is also the politics to be considered. Perhaps the president was under the impression that should the investigation continue, he would be treated favorably or at least at least less hostile uh, by uh, the uh, acting public protector or the deputy public protector. Um, one could argue that that, however marginal it may have been at the time, was something to be gained. But do you agree with that argument by the Constitutional Court? I, I, I don't I don't agree with it, Oliver. It's quite an odd argument to make because it looks into the merits, or, or, or it prospects into what then happened after she was removed. And remember, they say with the risk of a conflict, it doesn't even have to materialize. And if you also remember with the JZ case as well, they said, we don't reflect on the merits of the person that is going to come and be appointed or take over afterwards. What we are merely concerned with is the actor themselves, that when they make the decision, are they or are they not conflicted? But also, if if you say that uh, she stood nothing to gain, remember there was an argument that was made as well, I think by, by the Western Cape High Court to say, 
Ramaphosa wanted anyone but this woman, anyone but yeah. to conduct that um, that investigation. And that's exactly what he got. So how could the argument be made that he stood nothing to gain? He got an, a, a, an investigation that was conducted into Palapala that was not conducted by Busizwe Mkwebane. And that's exactly what he was said to be gunning for. Yeah. But once again, then they'd ask whether there was a reconcilable relationship between uh, or whether the relationship between the president and the public protector was so hostile uh, and adversarial that it was irreconcilable. That is to say that uh, the public protector would never have been empowered to adequately, uh, um, uh, you know, investigate the president. The president had reasonable fear that the public protector would, for political reasons, pursue him. It, it doesn't matter whether they were to like each other. Uh, Tulima Tunzela and Jacob Zuma never liked each other, even to this day. He still calls her very, using pejorative terms. We don't care. If ever there were um, judgments or uh, rulings by the PP that the president didn't agree with, it was open for him to take them on judicial review, as he's done many times, and he succeeded. Those safeguards are, are, are there. So we don't need um, a, a PP and a president that like each other for our democratic system to function. There are enough safeguards to ensure that though both actors act rationally. So it, it, it's not a, I don't think it's a, it's a, it's a serious matter to raise Oliver whether or not uh, he would be able to get a fair, a fair hearing from that public protector. I think there are enough safeguards for that. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for that. I do want to just get your opinion on, on, on another matter, also in the Constitutional Court, its rejection of Jacob Zuma's, uh, you know, appeal, uh, or at least application for appeal of the Supreme Court of Appeal judgment that upholds the High Court judgment, uh, that he's... Uh, that he should return to jail on the basis that his medical parole issued by Arthur Fraser was irregular and unconstitutional, um, and based on the Helen Susman Foundation arguments there in court, that he should return to his sentence where it was left off, and that he should finish what was left of the 18 months uh, of, of, of his sentence incarcerated. It's unclear to me at this stage whether or not the, uh, the dismissal of the appeal means that the order of the High Court is effective. That is to say that it is tantamount to a warrant of arrest. Uh, but should it be, Jacob Zuma certainly would have to be once again rearrested by a South African police service and handed over to correctional services. Begitlele is quite clear, or at least the last time was clear, that it was an uncomfortable exercise to execute. And nonetheless, notwithstanding that this time again, would be incredibly uncomfortable. We saw what that did politic. What the ramifications of that was politically, it resulted in the July uh, 2021 unrest. Do you see a replay of that, Oliver? I let justice be done, though the heavens may fall. The court must find what is legal and what is um, not legal. So that judgment, um, I expected it. Um, I think it was it was a proper judgment. It's the same judgment that the High Court and um, the Supreme Court of Appeal came to. But I hope that those who are tasked with the responsibility of running this country were able to foreplan for this eventuality and have put enough plans um, in place to ensure that we avoid a repeat of what happened in July 2021 and that they've uh, enough, you know, sort of strategic plans on how they're going to deal with this uh, 
crisis of rearresting Jacob Zuma. I don't think, I think the man is what, 81, 82? I don't think that he's suitable for uh, incarceration, but I hope those that are put in charge of this country have the plans in place to be able to carry out what needs to be carried out. I mean, that's an argument that was considered the last time around. And I'm like, no, we have correctional facilities well suited for somebody who is of ill health and of advanced age. Uh, That is not an excuse for not to be incarcerated. Yeah, if we do, then place him there. It's then that's what must happen. But I don't. Well, that time it was um, the height of COVID, and he was eighty-two. He had comorbidities. Um, but yeah, if the facilities to cater for his advanced age, then let let him go to jail. I mean, he did the crime. We also him. Um, defy both the commission and the concord, and therefore that's what happens when you break the law. So he can go to court. I really hold no water for Jacob yeah. Zuma, I must say. Yeah. Let's have a listen at these two WhatsApp voice notes as we close off the conversation. Yeah. Hello, Radio South Africa. You know, I got a very uh, inquisitive question. The High Court in Cape Town exonerates Memu Kwebani as being the victim of the legal fraternity and the power to be in South Africa that she was expelled and undermined illegally. So that was a full bench in the High Court. Then there is an appeal to Constitutional Court. They took it to Constitutional Court. There's the, the other bench now, which is also called full. Now they took another turn that, no, the president is being rational by suspending uh, Mrs. Mugwebani. So my question is, the, the first bench, didn't do the same uh, legal principles from the same books, universities, and so forth. Didn't they study the same notes, legal principles, as it is expected of them? Submission, WP Rams report. Lucanio, do you feel the need to explain the appellate system? And that's what I was going to raise as well, Oliver, that we have a higher courts act in the country. That means that a decision of a lower court could always be appealed and a different court could come to a different decisions. And that's what happened in this instance. I don't think that um, there was anything sinister to it. I just believe that different uh, different court came to a different conclusion yeah. on the same facts. Yeah. Oliver, you know what? That failure of uh, of uh, Jacob Zuma's appeal and this one of uh, the public protector, all that is the result of Dalimpofu's arrogance. Those Dalimpofu had been advising these people to do all these things. Where is he now? Let him come and say something. It's S-E in Kwakwa. Cheers. Yeah, it was entirely lost upon me that both these cases were litigated by Dalimpofu. I mean, lawyers don't act on their own. They take instructions from clients, and oftentimes you're only as good as the facts of the case and, 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 the, and the merits of your, of your client. Uh, but is there anything to be read from, from this, uh, Lucanio? Bad day for Dalimpofu, but good day for his bank account. Tough innings, tough day at the office for Talimpofu. Yeah. <laughs> Last one. Hi, Oliver. It's Doomsie from Cape Town. 
it's the people who said we the people want democracy we the people want parliament to make the laws we the people want the judiciary to interpret those laws and executive to execute so now whenever the judiciary interprets the law not according to what the people say when they made the law it's the people again who have the responsibility through parliament to bring that law back to the drafters to say when we drafted did we envisage such for example when we drafted did we envisage that when someone is eligible for eligible for parole it means that they have to be granted like what Tianus Walus was done and when uh, did we envisage that someone can be incarcerated by the constitutional court without a trial night talk monday to thursdays 10 to midnight